Exodus 18 and verse 7. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obeisance and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare. And when they came into the tent, Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. And all the travail that had come upon them by the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done unto Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. For in the thing wherein they dwelt proudly, he was above them. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Let's pray. Father, would you... Now settle us in your presence. We settle our hearts and our minds to be able to receive your word. We ask you, Lord, that you would help me, a man of weakness and clay lips, to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, but also to be able to deliver your word under the anointing of your spirit. And, Lord, when this is over tonight, Lord, will you be the one who is glorified in all things? Can do nothing without you. We need you in everything. And I need you tonight, Lord. Help me, I pray, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I ask it. Amen. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. If you look up and you start to study Many people tend to think that Jethro was some sort of pagan worshiper. Notice what it says in verse 1. It says that Jethro was the priest of Midian. So people tend to think, well, Jethro must have been some sort of pagan priest. Now, that's not true. Jethro was in Hebrew. Some believe that he was in Hebrew in the land of Midian, and there he was sacrificing unto the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And many others believe that he was, of course, off the Midianite line, which would mean that he still had some Hebrew blood in him because Abraham, after Sarah had died, married a woman called Keturah and also had children. Memory served me right, there were five unto him. Midian being one of them, and so others think that Midian, the Midianites, and of course a priest of Midian would be Jethro. I beg to differ because from that we have uh, a lot of other idolatrous worship came in. People didn't know the Lord the way even Moses knew him. Moses is at the backside of the desert in the beginning of the readings of Exodus chapter 3 and so on. 
And at the backside of the desert, he sees the burning bush. He worships beforehand and knows the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Elohim, he is called and known as. And of course, Moses then has revelation from Almighty God in the burning bush. He says, I am that I am. He says, who are you? What's your name? Who will I say sent me? And the voice from the burning bush says, tell them, that is Israel, that I am that I am have sent thee. Here we're told later that Moses understands his name is the I am, but later the redemptive name is Yahweh. So who is Elohim but Yahweh? And who is Yahweh but the Elohim, the one true living God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who then becomes flesh in the person of his beautiful Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and offers up himself for the forgiveness of our sin and for our redemption. Here Jethro is from that line. He is a priest offering sacrifices in Midian. He is offering them to Elohim. How do we know? Because even at the end of our reading, he offers the sacrifice to Elohim. Notice this. If we were to look at verse 9, it says, And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. There are four gems from Jethro's jubilation that we want to look at tonight. First of all, Jethro rejoiced. He rejoices with Moses and with Israel. Secondly, he blesses, in verse 10, the God of Israel. And then, in verse 11, he declares the God of Israel to be the only one true and living God. And then, in verse 12, he worships the God of Israel because he comes to none other but Elohim. Elohim is singular yet plural, plural in majesty, yet singular as the one true living God. Now notice this. First of all, Jethro rejoices with Moses. In verse 9 it says, And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel. Notice the word Lord. The word Lord is Yahweh. Jethro rejoiced because he had heard of Yahweh. The redemption that had happened to Israel, the redemption price was paid, and they came out by the blood of the Lamb. They came through the blood of the Lamb. Moses told Israel, after being told by God to take the blood of a Lamb and to apply it to the doorposts and the door lintels of every home. And the Lord says, this night, he says, I'm passing through Egypt and all the firstborn will die. The tenth and last plague of the Egyptians from God. He says, I'm passing through. Judgment was a passing through. He says, but when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This is where Passover comes from. The Bible tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us that in the new covenant, Christ is our Passover. Christ, our Passover, he says, has been sacrificed for us. 
So the blood of the Lamb of the new covenant was foreshadowed by the blood of the Lamb in the old. The blood of the Lamb of God is the Lord Jesus Christ, shed for our redemption, for the forgiveness of our sin. But here we're told that Jethro rejoices over Moses and Israel being redeemed. I think it's wonderful because Jethro, not only because he's his father-in-law, is he happy to see his son-in-law back again, but also on hearing of the good news. Good news is redemption. Good news is salvation. Do you know what he really heard? The gospel. The gospel is good news. He heard the gospel in the old covenant of how God had redeemed through the blood of a lamb and how God had not only redeemed them, but kept them. Maybe someone here tonight would say, you know, if I got saved, I don't know, I have a lot of ducks to put in the row here. I have a lot of things to set in order. And I don't know if I could keep it or not. I have something to tell you, you can't keep it. But when you're redeemed and you're saved and give yourself over to Christ, He keeps you. He keeps you by His grace. He keeps you by the power of God through faith unto salvation. You fail? Join the club. You fail, but join the club. Every single one of us fail before God, but thank God His grace is in super abundance over all of our sin. The blood of the Lamb still applies to the heart. And the blood of the Lamb still has power this very evening to cleanse the vilest sinner from all of their sins. Notice how he keeps in verse 9, Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel. Here's redemption. Here's your salvation. And then it says, Whom he delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. Here we find that God... He saves, and God, He keeps. Also, we are told in verse 8, when Moses had told his father-in-law all the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. So God had kept His hand on them. And listen, the codified law, the law was always there. God's law was always there. The sacrifice was from Eden when Father Adam had fallen and death had came. The sacrifice of Abel, remember Cain killed Abel. All of that was there. Noah in the flood, he took seven clean animals into the flood and two unclean. We always hear the animals went in two by two. Yes, they did. The unclean, but the clean went in seven by seven. God's perfect number. Seven for them to eat clean food. And seven for sacrifice. Sacrifice. Can you imagine if they brought two sheep in and they killed one to eat? No more sheep. Note this, the Lord kept them right through. The codified law is not given until Exodus chapter 20. We're in Exodus 18. Start reading from 19 onward. And Moses starts to, to work through the, 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 the community. He starts to work among Israel 
He's trying to take in all the problems. And Jethro comes, this man who people say he was a pagan. He comes and he delivers a word of knowledge to Moses on how to run the nation. Think about these things. Notice this also. It says that the Lord, in verse 8, that the Lord kept them through their travail that had come on them by the way how he delivered them. They came through so much already, through the Red Sea, split the sea into two. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1, the apostle Paul says, he's speaking, he says to the Corinthians, how all our fathers, so they were Israelites, saved Israelites in Corinth. They understand what he was speaking of. How all our fathers walked through the Red Sea, were baptized under Moses through the sea and under the cloud speaking of them being baptized and coming out the other end. We read of Miriam and her timbrels and their dances and their praising the Lord, yet 12 days later, they're murmuring before God. 12 days later, they're saying, this water is Mara, it is bitter. Christian, let's be honest with ourselves. Don't put your hand up now. How many days is it whenever God does something wonderful in our life? And shows us mighty things by his wonderful hand. And yet you and I start to murmur and complain about the next thing so quickly. And even through that, God still loved them. And even through that, God still kept them. And even through that, God still claimed them for his own. And you and I are exactly the same people. He still loves us. He still claims us. He still keeps us. And he calls us his own. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful God. Here we find that Jethro is rejoicing with Moses because the Lord has delivered them from slavery. And he shows his delight. Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, Paul writes this. He tells us, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Now, how is it that many people find it far easier to enter into a time of weeping and mourning with someone when they're in a state of affliction? So easy. Go to the funeral and there's the professional mourners at some funerals. I remember I passed his house one time. Boo hoo hoo. Professionally mourning. And then there are those who are genuinely, compassionately moved in their spirit because they love that person. So easy, isn't it? We enter in, the tear comes to the eye, and the heart aches for them. And that's true. But how is it that, like Joseph and his brothers, how is it when we come to say, Will I tell you what's going on in my life? Let me tell you what God has done for me. Let me tell you how the Lord is blessing my family and He's blessing our church assembly. Will I tell you what God is doing and He's moving, He's speaking, He's, he's saving, He's keeping. We're loving this, we're baptizing. And people say, isn't that lovely? I'm sure that's great. Isn't that true? Find it hard to enter in with the rejoicing. 
And I wonder where the spirit of jealousy starts and finishes. Maybe in your personal life these things are happening. Jethro was a man of plenty. Jethro was a man who had abundance, for that's what his name means. His name means his excellence, his abundance. His excellence, his abundance. There's another name for Jethro, and it's Reuel. Reuel. Notice the word El for Elohim. These were the, these were the names that Abraham's seed had. And Reuel means friend of God. Sound familiar? Abraham was called the friend of God. Now we find here, we find here that Jethro shows his actions and by showing his actions, by rejoicing with Moses over salvation and redemption of Israel and their release and their deliverance, by doing that, He's shown that the man of God, the man with plenty, the woman of God, the woman with plenty can afford to be big. And big isn't lording over, but rather coming down. Big is not lording over, but rather coming down. If God is moving in you and God is blessing you, it's not to puff you or I up, but rather it is to bring us down in humility to bring closer to him. Here we find that Jethro, he comes rejoicing with Moses. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Jethro humbled himself to rejoice with the deliverance of the slaves of Israel. He rejoiced in the fact that it wasn't just his family circle. He could have said, I'm so delighted, Moses, my son-in-law is back, now forget the rest. No, Jethro had an affinity with Abraham's seed. Jethro was looking outside of his own immediate family, his own immediate home. He was looking outside of his own immediate self. And Jethro starts to rejoice at the salvation and redemption that God had bring. I want to let you know, friend, if you're not saved, see when you come to the Lord. And I can honestly say that there are many, 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 many Christians who will be rejoicing in the Lord that another soul has been ushered in to the kingdom of God. The true Christian with the heart for the lost will rejoice over those who are brought from slavery and sin and the bondage of this world. Stay with me on that. In the scriptures, in the New Testament, Pharaoh is a type of the devil. Pharaoh is a type of the devil The Egyptians are a type of demonic forces and those that work through men. And Egypt is a type of the world we live in, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. And also we find it working nationally for us. 
You might think sometimes I hammer on a little about this, but I want to mention it again. Do you see on the 23rd of June 2016 when we voted to leave the European Union? God was delivering us again. God was bringing us out from slavery and bondage of a European Union and Brexit. And God does it in our individual lives where men and women are enslaved by the things of this world. You know what you're enslaved with? Enslaved with worrying about what your neighbor would say if you get saved. You're enslaved with what your family would say, how you would cope. You're enslaved with alcohol, enslaved with drug addiction, Slave with all manner of sins, yet it's the world system. And by the way, all of us are enslaved by the Edomite Jewish bankers. Paying our tax. We're over hearing about the Paradise Papers lately. That's another story. See the Paradise Papers? That's nothing compared to the slavery the world is under, under the Rothschilds. <laughs> It's a drop in the ocean. It's a drop in the bucket. And every time you're paying tax to pay your government, who does your government owe the money to? Because people are going, oh, we're so many billion or so many trillion in debt. Who to? Each other? Cancel it out. It doesn't work like that. It's to the banking system. The debt usury that the Lord says you're not to use. Said to Israel, no debt usury with your brethren here. But these men come in and now they fund wars on both sides. They're raking in the money and men are dying in the battlefield. Slavery. I'm going to rejoice the day when Jesus comes and breaks the clouds. I'm going to rejoice like Jethro. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be praising God for his deliverance of his people at the time when the Lord comes to set up his kingdom upon the earth, walks in the eastern gate of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Jesus is coming. Here we have Jethro. He is given so much thanks he cannot contain himself. I think every Christian should be like that. We have to praise you. I cannot contain myself for all that you have done for me. I've got to praise you. Jesus, I have to praise you. Jethro, we're told, he does worship in verse 12. But when he's worshiping, he's rejoicing, coming down the verses to a place where he's coming closer to God until he worships at the very altar heart of God. Here's something to notice about this also. The word rejoice here, you know what it gives the idea of? To make one's skin crawl. Isn't that strange? But the idea goes like this. That Jethro's skin crawled full of goosebumps. That's the idea of it. Wow! Look what he's done for you, Moses! 
Friend, I'm going to tell you something, that you are trapped in yourself, or you're trapped in the bondage, you're trapped with addiction, you're trapped. I'm going to tell you something, when he releases you, this is your cry, this is my cry, this is our cry. Wow! Look what he's done for you. The salvation and redemption of the Lord. The impossibility happened when Israel came out by the blood of the Lamb. It's so simple. It was blood of a little lamb. So simple. Applied blood. Not just poured out blood, but applied blood. You see, Jesus' blood was poured out, but it must be applied. In the day of judgment, the Father still says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. I will pass over you. Notice, James tells us in James 4 and 6 of the Lord that he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Men in their hearts can be so proud and think they can get saved by their doing. Get saved by who they are. Get saved by their churchianity. I was going to say to somebody, I want to get myself into trouble. I'll not do it. I'm always getting myself into trouble. I will say it. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. See a lot of the churchianity today. It's nothing but Babylonian religion. It's ecumenism. That's all it is. He gives grace to those who will say, I trust in the blood of Jesus. I trust in his finished work. I trust in what he has accomplished for me at Calvary. He gives grace to see the Lamb of God, to behold him as the only Savior and the only means of redemption and the payment of their debt of sin. And he says, if you can see him, his Spirit moving on you. Grace is that you're able to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And He gives more grace to keep you. Every trial that Israel went through, it was grace. And you moan and you gurn and you complain and you whinge and you get on. Yes, we all do. Don't we? I thought it was only me. And He still keeps us by His grace. He giveth more grace. Thank God for His grace. You see, in Exodus 18 and 9, it says, And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness. Isn't that lovely? All the goodness which the Lord hath done to Israel, whom He hath delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. Again, I said, the word here, the goodness which the Lord, which Yahweh. See, so your understanding here, Jethro knew who he was worshiping. In verse 9, he says, the Lord had done to Israel whom he delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. Keep that in your mind. James 2 and 20 tells us that Faith without works is dead. 
And this is the way it means that Jethro came to show his faith in the living God for what he had done by bringing Israel out through the blood of the Lamb. For bringing them through the waters of baptism, through the sea and under the cloud. For keeping them in all of their ways. Can you see your salvation in this Christian? Can you see what he does for us? And here we find this is what Jethro does. It gives the idea that he cannot contain himself. So he runs to see Moses. Hearing of the good news, he falls upon his knees to worship God. You know, when you're on your knees, and you're in prayer and you're in worship. That's the strongest place you could ever be in. And when others think it's weakness, remember, he or she who kneels before God can stand before anyone. Can stand before anyone. So, secondly, quickly, Jethro blesses the Lord. He rejoices. Now he blesses. Exodus 18 and 10, he says, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you. Again, the word blessed is Barak. And that's what it means. He comes to give thanks unto God, to celebrate, to praise. And there's a lovely word it means. He comes to adore. Adore the Lord. Let me just ask the Christian for a moment. I know we say we love him. I know we sing about loving him. And in our own ways we do. And in our own measure we might. Can I ask you, Christian? Do you adore him? I mean, he is the adoration of your heart. Christ alone. I adore you. Do you love him? I mean, do you really love him? Is Christ your life? I mean, is he all of your life? Do you think about him during the day? Do you talk to him as you're out walking? Driving the car? I talk to him as if he's somebody with me all day sitting beside me. I talk to him for two seconds. I talk to him for 10 minutes. And then I'll talk to him when I'm walking down the street. And usually people would look at you as if you've, you're not right in the head. And you're walking along and say, Lord, you're just amazing. You're fantastic. Dear love, the people of Donna Clooney, they must drive by me and say, that guy has lost the plot. He's away. I remember when I worked in secular work at lunchtime, I, I couldn't even sit with the fellows. They're all good lads I worked with, but I had to go way out and into the car park in my car and just sit and spend my lunchtime with them every single lunchtime. I had to. I adore him. I love him. With everything I have. 
the idea here is that Jethro, this so-called pagan priest, he comes to Elohim, the revealed Yahweh, and he falls before him on his knees. He says, I adore you. I adore you. It doesn't sound too pagan, does it? No Puritan called William Dyer. Listen to what he says. To bless God for his mercy, mercies is the way to increase them. To bless him for miseries is the way to remove them. Oh God, what you're doing in my life. I adore you. How you have changed my life. I worship you, Jesus. Oh God, for what you've been given to me, I'm eternally thankful. On his knees, Jethro was pleading and praising and celebrating, adoring the God of heaven, the revealed person of Yahweh. You know who he was adoring? The Lord Jesus Christ. And he was adoring him for setting others free. You see, there's a burden on him for others. You and I should have a burden on our hearts for the lost, for the enslaved, for the entrapped, for the addicted, for those who are still in their sin. We should have a burden where, yes, even as Timothy says, and, and emphasizing so well about the prayer meeting to be in the place of gathered corporate prayer together as the assembly of God's redeemed to cry out for our, our nation and our people, for the lost of our community, for those who are dying without Christ, for those who are lost and in their sin, to have a burden to say, Oh, you who I adore, will you redeem? Will you save, oh God? Oh, that God would give us all a burden, a burden deep inside of us from the Holy Ghost for men and women who are around us every day. Jethro blesses Yahweh for delivering his son-in-law, but his example shows us that we must never be content in seeing our family saved alone, but we should think of others in the slave market of sin. Notice this. Yahweh delivers. Notice what he says. <clears throat> Let your eye run down to verse 9. Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro blessed the Lord. He hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of of the Egyptians. Here's what stood out to me. He says to Moses, he's thanking God, he's adoring him for the great redemption and salvation that he's brought. And he says to Moses, 
I'm going to ask the Lord. I'm going to thank the Lord for what he's done, brought you, notice, out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of Pharaoh, and the people out from under the hand, out of and out under. And I read this and I says, Lord, what's the difference? And I looked up uh, the Hebrew lexicons and looked up the Septuagint, that's the, the Old Testament in, in Greek, and I tried to find things out. What was the difference? Why the change? And I just wasn't clever enough. But I'm going to give him a 10 cents worth. Moses at the burning bush had obviously come and spoke to Jethro and went on into Egypt again. But he just didn't stand in the outside of the camp and shout in. He didn't shout across the Nile so they couldn't get him or the other side of the Red Sea where he had been before. He went right across again. He went right into the heart of where the sinner was. He went further than that, but he went to the heart of government. He went right into the hands, the clutches of Pharaoh. In other words, he went directly to the center of the enemy's camp. And as the song says, he took back what he stole from him. You see, Christian, you know what the problem is? We don't realize that we were completely in the clutches of the devil, right in his hands. But God has brought us right out. And Egypt had their hand of bondage over Israel. They were in Israel, but Moses went right into Pharaoh's palace, the enemy's camp, right into it. God delivered them all. God brought them out. My child of God, here's something for you. What has the devil stolen? What part of your life does he still hold that you haven't recovered from? I think it's time you realized you're redeemed. You're bought with a price, even the precious blood of Christ. Your God lives within you. The Holy Spirit. I think it's time we realized that we are to go out into that world, into the enemy camp, even if we're to go to government. Withstand gutless politicians who will slaughter the innocents in the womb. Withstand against so-called same-sex marriage. The devil has them all under control. Go right to the heart of government where these vile laws are made. I think it's time the church stood up and says we're going right into the enemy camp and we're going to take back the land, take back what the devil has stolen from us. This nation is full of politicians and preachers Men who have a backbone like a wet noodle. (laughs) 
so. God has delivered, and he brings them out. The battle move on quickly. Thirdly, Jethro's declaration of God's sovereignty. Jethro's declaration of God's sovereignty. Verse 11, listen to what he cries. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Small g. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all the gods of the heathen. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all the gods of our enemies. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all the gods of all the other nations. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all the gods of all the other people. And I know that Yahweh is is greater than all the gods of our own making. He's greater than the gods of our own thinking. He's greater than the devil and every other thing that calls itself God. They are not God. He is the one true living God. He says, now I know that Yahweh, he alone is God. Listen, brothers and sisters, again, you get yourself into trouble now in 2017. I'm still going to say it. Yahweh, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is greater than Allah. He is greater than Muhammad. He is greater than Confucius. He is greater than Buddha. He is greater than all the gods of the heathen enemies. He is greater than the gods of all imagination. He's greater than the god of humanism and communism and socialism. He's greater than all of them. He is the one true living God, the only redeemer of his people. This man Jethro says, now I know that the problem is God's people are not fully sold out and knowing who he is. That's a problem. Weak, lily-livered men who won't stand up and call sin, sin who won't stand up and say, repent. Who won't call what it is, what it is. Who won't say, you must turn back to God. Instead, they'd rather get together and have their ecumenical knees up and party. And so, some wee preacher like this man, in the corner, he says it, and he's the terrible bigot. Jethro's declaration of God's sovereignty. Here's the argument for this. Is Jethro praising monotheism? Or is Jethro praising and rejoicing in monolatry? Now let me tell you what that is. Monotheism is the belief there is only one God. Only one God. Monolatry is the worship of one God at the exclusion of all others. Listen, how many people will worship God when they're in a great meeting and they will praise the Lord and will raise their hands and will clap them and will proclaim Jesus as Christ as King, but we're in different company. He's no longer the God we praise. We praise their God. I don't believe Jethro was doing that at all. It wasn't monolatry. It wasn't, I'll worship Yahweh, because he's the best above all these gods. I believe in many others. No, Jethro was worshiping the one true living God, the monotheism of the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He was worshiping Yahweh. 
God had revealed himself, as I said, in his redemptive name. And so Moses declares in chapter 20, remember we talked about the codified law, Exodus chapter 20, he declares in his very first commandment, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, Yahweh, our God, our Elohim, is one Lord, one Elohim, one Yahweh. Deuteronomy 6 and 4 is declared here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord Jesus mentions this in Mark chapter 12 and verse 29. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, verses 5 and 6. For though there be that are called gods, small g, whether in heaven or on earth, in other words, Paul's saying, look, people are saying there's all these pantheism gods here. As there be gods many and lords many. He's saying, you're saying there's all sorts of lords, all sorts of gods, all sorts of idols. It's like, it, it's like whenever he was at Athens and he sees the altar to the unknown God, because, just in case they missed one. He says, there are many who are called gods, there are many who are called lords. He says in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 6, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. And his exclusiveness, Christ proclaimed, I am the way, not a way. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Thank you for your attention. This is the last one. We'll do it quickly. Jethro worships with the redeemed at the altar of the Lord. Exodus 18 and 12 says, And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God, that is Elohim. And Aaron came. Aaron is not a high priest yet. He becomes a high priest of Israel. And all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Here we have a fellowship, friendship, and corporate worship. But it is not an ecumenical service. We are coming to worship the one true living God. We are coming to worship in spirit and in truth. We are coming to worship as he has revealed himself to us. Puritan George Swinnock said these words, It is in thine interest to choose only the godly for thy friend. Others will one time or another prove false. Ungodly men may be about us as mice in a barn, while something is up to be had. But when all corn is gone, they are gone too. If thou ceasest to give, they will cease to love. Now listen. Your company matters. Especially the young people. 
your company matters. And who the Christian young or old run around with, they will eventually become like. Never heard an angel of the Lord come yet and tell the people, I'm come to do you desperate harm. His, I'm talking about the God's people, the Christians now. It's always fear not. Do you know why? Because they're around the throne of Christ. That's their company. Fear not. Don't be afraid. And if you take your company around the throne of Christ, you'll be more like Christ. You'll be more like that. In your weakness, your failures, everything. You'll be more like him. I finish with this. Puritan Thomas Watson said, friendship is the marriage of affections. Jethro, Moses, Israel, the elders now are all together and work. And they've married an affection for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That adoration for him. And brothers and sisters, you and I, who have come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, every time we come together, it shouldn't be about you and me. It shouldn't be about them and us, him and her, or this one or that. It should be about him. Adoration for the one who has saved us. Who died for us. I have a lot more there, but time is well flowing. You've listened to me quite long tonight. Thank you for your attention. Four gems from Jethro, from Jethro's jubilation. I trust God will write something in all of our hearts tonight. When I seen it, I thought, I got to write about this. And I sat down to write about it. The Lord challenged me with it. If he doesn't challenge me first, it's senseless me bringing it to you. But he challenged me with it. And maybe... He'll challenge you. If you're not saved, don't leave without coming to Christ. The redemption is great. The rejoicing is mighty. And I'll tell you, you'll fall in love with him. And he'll keep you. He'll keep you through all your trials and your tribulations. For his name's sake. Amen.